0: <laughs> I apologize, <clears throat> thank you so much jesse um uh, let me uh, mention tonight that uh, we are not uh, formally taking any kind of offering. There are offering plates at the exits. If you uh, came prepared to to give one <clears throat> and would like that opportunity, feel free to do that and a number of ways to be able to give online as well and we appreciate your uh, giving as always um, uh, very very much um uh, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to, to Luke chapter two once again. That familiar story <clears throat> that uh, Michelle and, and uh, the family shared with us earlier in such a, a special and unique way. Um, when you hear the word Bedlam, well, what do you think about? Well, what's the first thing that comes to mind? When you hear the word Bedlam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OU, o- OSU, uh, uh, competing against each other in in pretty much anything, right? But but yeah, we tend to first and foremost probably think of, particularly football. Football. Now, this year's Bedlam game. Um, I'm sorry to say for all the OSU fans. Uh, it was not much of a bedlam match, was it? And OSU kind of ran away with that, and and it was really phenomenal how, how I mean, o, o, OU kind of ran away with that, and um, it was really kind of phenomenal how, how OU came out of the, I mean, right out of the hopper and, and just jumped all over OSU and, and uh, again, ended up running away with that game, and, and uh, a very little-known story. Uh, little known, very little known story, uh, as to why it was that they were so fired up when they came out to play that game that night. And it's because Coach Riley was trying to w- realize the importance of the game. They already had two losses, and so and they, they desperately needed to win that game. And so he was trying to think of a way to, to get the guys fired up. And so tried to d- thought tr- he needed to do something he'd, he'd never done before in a pregame speech. And so he he brought them as they were gathered in the locker room right before going out for the for the first half. They uh, they all circled around. He had them circle around together, and he had a a, an old wash tub in the middle of the circle. the guys were thinking we're going to bob for apples. I mean, what, what is this about, kind of deal. And, uh, and so Coach Riley first started going all the way around the circle. I mean, got in every one of the guys' faces saying, I want to know, are you tough enough to win this game? How tough are you? I mean, in the face of every single one of those players. And after he'd gone all the way around the circle, he, he went back to the middle and stopped by that wash tub, dropped his drawers, and reached into the tub and pulled out a small alligator. Brought that alligator around to his derrier, at such point where the alligator latched on. <laughs> and, I mean, the guys were just amazed as they watched this, and he started going back around the circle again, getting in the player's face. Are you tough enough to do this? How tough are you? Are you tough enough to do this? I mean, it all, all the way around the circle in the face of every one of those guys and, and got all the way around the, the, the circle and walked back over by the washtub, poked the alligator in the eyes, and it dropped off back into the tub. And he said, okay, I want to know who is tough enough to do that. Who's tough enough to do that? I mean, it was dead silence. I mean, they were all stunned, totally stunned. And then all of a sudden, one of the big old linemen spoke up and he said, Coach, 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 I, I, I'll do it, coach, if you promise not to poke me in the eyes. <laughs> like I said, a little known story, little known story. <laughs> Well, the game wasn't much bedlam, but there was a lot of bedlam in the locker room before they (laughs) they came out. Well, what is the origin? Do you know the origin of the word bedlam? What's the origin of the word bedlam? It's a a fascinating story. It goes all the way back to the 13th century when a small monastery was set up in the city of London in England, and it was named St. Mary of Bethlehem, St. Mary of Bethlehem, 13th century. By the middle of the 15th century, or excuse me, the 16th century, the middle of the 1500s, it it was no longer a monastery. And the city had taken it over and had turned it into an insane asylum. Now, this is absolutely horrible, but, but they actually started charging a small admission fee to allow people to come in, pay the fee to come in, and heckle the inmates. I mean, can you imagine such? Just absolutely unbelievable, but it became a, this huge popular tourist attraction in the city of London. Well, after it became the asylum, they changed the name from St. Mary of Bethlehem just to, just to simply Bethlehem, Bethlehem. And it wasn't long before the people, just uh, some of the locals, just referred to it as Bedlam. Bedlam. Let's go down to Bedlam. Let's go down to Bedlam. <laughs> well, <laughs> could you imagine that Bedlam came to refer then to the noise and confusion that was so prevalent in the insane asylum? I mean, I mean who'd have thunk it, right? <laughs> that that Bedlam would have anything to do with Bethlehem. Because when we think about Bethlehem, we think of what? Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. We think of peace, serenity. And yet on the night that Christ was born, Bedlam ruled. You heard the story a few moments ago. We tend to gloss over some of those details from Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. Now this census uh, created political bedlam in that part of the world. I mean, the purpose of the census was to, to stroke the ego of Caesar Augustus, to, you know, to build his treasury. It was, again, to, to collect more taxes. And so you can bet that Joseph and Mary were not singing Christmas carols on their way to Bethlehem, were they? I mean, not any more than, than you or me would be, you know, as April 15th approaches our tax day, we'd be singing, you know, write your check to Uncle Sam, fa-la-la-la-la, la-la-la-la. It just doesn't happen, does it? Verse 4 So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Luke sort of subtly reminds us here of, of the scandal of Mary's pregnancy. You remember, it was scandalous. I mean, Joseph himself didn't believe it at first until the angel convinced him otherwise. But you can bet that the rest of the town of Nazareth sure wouldn't, sure wouldn't buy an end into that process. And so who knows the kind of ridicule that Mary was subject to during that period of time. In fact, some people suggest that the whole reason that Mary would, would make such a journey like this in the, in the ninth month of her pregnancy is just simply because she wanted to get away from that gossip and scandal, from the, from the ridicule that she was subject to back in Nazareth. And even the journey to Bethlehem would have been bedlam. I mean, it was anything but peaceful, a week-long trip. Now, now we, we don't know, you know, tradition, we think of, of, of Mary riding on a donkey, but we don't know that she rode on a donkey, for sure or not. The Bible really doesn't say. But if she did, you can bet that every time that donkey hit a bump along the way or or a rock or stepping step it over, whatever, she probably immediately shot up a prayer. Lord, please don't let this baby be born here. Please. In verse 6, while they were there, that is in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in claws and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Boy, Joseph and Mary would have just wanted a a half-decent place in which she could have the baby. And yet they're relegated to a barn. Animals, manure, flies. I mean, a manger is, is a feeding trough for the animals. Jesus Christ was born into bedlam. Yet on that night, the very night that he was born, the angels declared to the shepherds again, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, peace, goodwill toward men. It was into a world where Bethlehem reigned that the Bethlehem child came to bring the promise of peace, peace with God which he still does today, without being reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, there is no peace with God. Within every human heart, there is, as has been referred to, a God-shaped vacuum. If you would would think of it as an anxious emptiness that people will try to fill with one thing or another. But it can only be filled, a God-shaped emptiness. It can only be filled by God himself. The good news of Christmas is that through Jesus Christ and Christ alone, we can have peace with God, and it also means that we can experience His peace within us, regardless of whatever battle might be taking place around us. We are about to share in communion. And here at our church, let me mention that, that anyone who is a true believer is welcome to join us in this process. Communion is a very special way on this Christmas Eve for us to remember what Jesus did for us, for us to remember that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sins and rose from the dead to secure our forgiveness. On the top of your little communion container, it's actually two layers There's a very thin layer right underneath that. You can see the wafer through the top there. If you would just simply remove that. By the way, the name Bethlehem means house of bread, house of bread. And this is the bread that reminds us, that is symbolic of Christ's body given for us. So as we sing this next song together, would you please go ahead and remove that film and take the wafer from it. But let's sing together, What Child is This?
1: He soon laid to rest on Mary's lap, his sleeps Greet with anthem sweet while shepherds watch our keeping. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds, God, and angels see. Haste, haste to bring him, Lord. The babe, the son of Mary. So bring him in, since gold and myrrh come, peasant king to own him, the king of King. Salvation brings. Let love throne raise, raise a song on high the virgin sings her lullaby joy joy for Christ is born the babe the son of Mary The King whom shepherds God and angels sing His taste to bring Him Lord, the Babe, the Son of Mary. Nails, spear shall pierce Him through the cross.
0: His body given for you. The cup that you hold now, like the bread, is a symbol. The cup is a symbol of the blood of Jesus Christ that was poured out for our forgiveness. As we sing this next song, please carefully remove the covering of the cup so that you'll be ready to take it after we've finished singing. And we want to invite those of you that are at home to join us in this time of communion as well. Let's sing together.
1: Come, bitter and broken. Come, with fears unspoken. Come, taste of his perfect love. Oh, come, guilty and hiding ones. There is no need. I want your gold.
0: His blood poured out for our forgiveness. Heavenly Father, on this night as we celebrate the birth of your son, we simply want to say thank you. Thank you for the gift of peace made possible for us through him. We thank you in his blessed name. Amen. You know, during World War I, on Christmas Eve of 1914, a miraculous truce took place all along the Western Front, including Flanders Fields in Belgium. If you would, watch this brief video. And while this past year has certainly not been World War I, we have still definitely had our moments. We have been fighting a global war against a silent enemy, the coronavirus. We've been fighting battles for our physical health, battles for our emotional health, our economic health. Battles for our spiritual health. Yet, in the midst and through it all, in Jesus Christ, in Christ alone, Christ alone, we have both the present and future hope of knowing that we have peace with God and peace within heart, mind, in Christ But we also have another choice to make. Many around us need his peace in these days ahead. And we have the light of the peace of Christ. We who have that light can make the choice to share that light with others. If you would, take that candle that you were given as you came in tonight. You can turn it on with a little, simple little switch right at the bottom of it. This is symbolic of saying, I am willing to join, I am ready to join with my brothers and sisters in the faith to share that light more than ever before with those around me who need the peace, the light of the peace of Jesus Christ, my Lord. In symbolism of that declaration, would you raise your candle and sing along with me tonight?
2: Silent night, holy night, calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep. Stand with me as we continue singing. Silent night, holy night. Shepherds quake at the. Sun. Sing Hallelujah! Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior. God. us, Lord, at thy birth. Let's bow.
0: And now, on this Christmas Eve, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and, and give you peace, both now and forevermore, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.